floats it over the top, bounces into the hands of Scully. Oh, oh great finish. Great finish from Blaine Scully. That should be it. It should be Corner's game. It should be Corner's trophy. It should be Europe for the boys. Champion triumph. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Cardiff Rugby Life podcast, uh, where I have to apologise on the start this week if my voice does sound a bit odd to you, but I have been struck down by this cold that's been going round. Uh, fortunately, my will to stave off death for a little while longer has been massively increased by the Cardiff win against the Sharks on the weekend, getting us back to winning ways after two tough losses on the bounce before it. Uh, we'll have a look at that in the first part of the podcast, and then there's also stuff coming up on the rags. Uh, pathway in general and there's a bit of news coming out of the Elms Park this week including the retirement of two fullbacks as well as a preview of next weekend's games but we'll start on Saturday night against the second South African side of the doubleheader by Barbini chance though Lane he's been very quiet not now so it was a 23-17 win for the Blue and Blacks against the Sharks on Saturday night and after the disappointment of the previous two weeks and particularly the poor performance against the Ospreys in general and then in the second half against the Bulls it was really good to see us come out and play some decent rugby from the start on Saturday evening I thought uh, we looked confident with ball in hand and, and we looked particularly good with our tactical kicking game which was, it was good to see us adopting that a bit more on Saturday night I thought because we have sort of shunned it a little bit at times early in the season but in a game where you know there was potential for us to lack confidence a little bit from the start to get into the game through that tactical kicking game with Reese Priestland causing the Sharks all sorts of problems with some of those high kicks and then a good chase come in it gave us good field position uh, allowed us to play a little bit unstructured as we do like to do with the the sort of individual quality that we've got in our outside backs but it also gave us set pieces in forward positions and you know both tries come from good high kicks particularly the second try where Jason Harris causes the fullback all sorts of problems his little kick on uh, Owen Lane drags the covering Sharks player into touch and then from there Willis Halaholo uh, comes off the out to in line from inside centre on first phase and scores so to get that tactical game, kicking game going and, and functioning well is good for us. Adds another little string to our bow going forward where uh, our high-tempo attacking stuff was good on Saturday, particularly in, in the first half, I thought. You know, obviously the Sharks were physical again as we knew they were going to be. They didn't give us much at the gain line, but we did manage to get into the wide channels, throw a few offloads, get Josh Adams in particular and Owen Lane a little bit into some space to run as well, which was good to see after... A particularly frustrating second half against the Bulls with both of them basically being cut out of the game by our inability to create any sort of platform. So uh, all good stuff in that sense. Um, and then obviously the, the main talking point then after halftime was the defence and how good that was, particularly for that 10-15 minutes uh, just after the break where the Sharks were camped in our territory but a couple of really good turnover wins from uh, Will Boyd, uh, Josh Turnbull assisting Will Boyd in a mall defence and Willis Alahola with that cracking jackal on our own goal line as well saved us and our exiting was a little bit scrappy we could have got out a little bit earlier potentially but we did get away in the end without conceding uh, any points in that little period to play go up the other end and miss one penalty but 
get another three points on the board and and that was impressive as, well. as, as good as our defense was you know it was physical it was organized we we targeted the breakdown really well where we could go and win the ball but left it alone when we couldn't which is good to see and as a result we cut down on the penalties that we conceded um but then when we went up the other end and we got the chance to get out of our own 22 and, and kick down into the sharks territory we were composed on the ball we didn't panic we still ran our variations off nine and gave ourselves a little bit of a platform kept the ball for a good 10, 15 phases worth of attack and win the penalty. And I think that was a real difference I noticed from Cardiff teams maybe last season over the last two, three years in general, is that after those periods of long time defending on our own goal line, we would then just invite pressure back onto ourselves by making a stupid error or kicking the ball away needlessly or conceding a penalty for whatever reason, going off our feet or where we would cough up possession and immediately concede a penalty for not rolling away. To have that a little bit of composure and a little bit of game management to kick cleverly tactically and then to keep hold of the ball in the right areas. You know, we, we didn't let the momentum swing back towards the Sharks, even though they had the possession and territory for long periods, which is really good. And that links into even when we did concede the try as well, because at that point, I think it was about 10 minutes or so to go uh, in the second half when we conceded the try out wide. We could have, you know, we could have really ferociously defended that on our line and we could have pushed the limits in terms of the offside line and in terms of putting our hands in at the breakdown. But we remained disciplined in the forwards. We forced them out wide, forced them to score the try in the corner. And it was much better at that point to concede the try rather than concede a yellow card, then almost certainly concede a try, give all that momentum to the Sharks uh, and so that they were coming at us then with... Uh, knowing that we they were playing against 14 men and that they could possibly go down and nick it instead we i'm not gonna say we let them concede the try but you know we didn't push it we didn't get on the ref uh, on the referee's bad side at all we went uh conceded seven points went and got the ball back quickly played in their half and scored three points again straight away just to ensure that that momentum didn't switch so good stuff from us in that sense um Discipline was improved overall. I know we did concede 13 penalties, which is a little high, and there were some people disappointed with a couple of the penalties we conceded in that 15 minutes after half time. But, you know, it is very difficult to defend on your own goal line. I'm not going to say that we should be conceding no penalties in that sense. So, um, to, to keep it down at 13 despite that period of play, I think is pretty decent overall. Individually, uh, I thought Reese Peterson wins man of the match, which you know his, his tactical kicking game was good, and it was you know great to see his his composure in there, and that's pretty much what we've signed him for. So should, proves in, uh, that he is a good signing overall. But um, for me, there was guys more deserving of him. Certainly, I thought Reese Carey had one of his best games for Cardiff, uh, both in the work that he's been doing in the loose, where he's really showing off that power and that agility to get around the field, which could really set him apart from other loose head props, but also at the scrum time as well. I thought he was really solid up against Thomas de Toit, who's been named in the Springbok squad for their Autumn Internationals this week. Uh, and not only solid, but there was that one scrum in particular, sort of midway through the second half, where he really gets underneath de Toit and, and drives through him. The referee called for a reset. I don't know why. I think it really should have been a penalty, but good stuff from Reese Carey there. Uh, Will Boyd was excellent again. Obviously, had a bit of a, an early switch going from number eight to open side after Ellis Jenkins went off, but adapted to that really well. Shifted his game from more centrally where he was at number eight to a little bit wider as the link man out there and, and offered us a lot in attack as well as winning or being part of three crucial turnovers in that 15-20 minutes after half time. Shane Lewis Hughes uh, was excellent as well, coming off the bench for his first appearance of the season, obviously earlier than he would have thought as well after uh, Ellis's early injury, but 
you know, what an absolute ferocious competitor that guy is. Uh, he's obviously a great rugby player, really physical defender, um, excellent line-out operator as well. But just that that level of, of competing, uh, basically everything that he does, you know, that drive to get around the field, the celebrations when we do something well, not necessarily he does something well, just the team, just takes us to that extra level. And I think that links in a little bit with what I was saying about uh, as being you know a bit more bastardy and, and a little bit more sort of in the face of the opposition in the year of the referee I think he's definitely somebody who can lead that so it's great to see him back and, and reaching the same levels he was before his shoulder injury I thought Willis Alhola was superb on both sides of the ball as well in the backs uh, fantastic try really nice out to inline makes a really crucial carry uh, just before that as well when we're trying to uh, clear our lines from a scrum just outside our 22 and takes us right up to halfway with a, a strong step and then a bit of uh, meters after contact as well before an offload for Will Boyd and then defensively in the second half he, uh, he really stepped up as a defensive leader there at those moments and uh, wins that crucial turnover so I think he, he pretty much cements his place in, for a spot in Wales's midfield for that All Blacks game in a few weeks which is great for him personally. And then the last individual uh, shout-out is Dai Young, where I've been a little bit, uh, I wouldn't say I've criticised, but a little bit questioning of some of his substitutions over the last few weeks, particularly in terms of how they feel a little bit sort of preconceived and formulaic. But on Saturday, I, I would credit the fact that he didn't go to his bench and that you know it was working, what was on the field. We had uh, Thomas and uh, Reese Priestland running the show well from half-back. thought the loose forwards were doing very well as well. And whilst it would have been nice to see somebody like Teddy Williams come on, you know, if he, there's no need to change it, don't fix it. And that's pretty much what he, he saw. He, he reacted to what was on the pitch in front of him. It was going well. So he thought, right, you know, we don't need to bring on guys like Amos and, and Ben Thomas just for the sake of it. Let's leave the guys who are doing a good job out there and let them see out the game. So that was that was good from him. And hopefully we see a lot more reactive uh, use of substitutions rather than, right, you know, the props are coming off at 55 minutes and that's it, which is, uh, it doesn't necessarily help the flow of the game or the individual themselves. Will Boyd has gone out into the three-quarter line. James Botham fit enough to win the line-out, and here is Boyd. Oh, was that? Were there any arms in that tackle? That might be worth a look again. Meanwhile, Cardiff in possession. The little dink forward. Lilo is there for it. No need to look at anything because Ray Lilo has scored the first try of the game. Moving on to the rags and the pathway section of the podcast then and uh, Cardiff RFC went up to Merthyr on Saturday afternoon. We're going down 31-26 to the Ironmen at the Wern. A bit of a, a tough outing for the rags and from what I, I wasn't at the game myself but from what I heard from those who were, um, you know, we were a little bit our own worst enemies and you can see that on the highlights a little bit, you know, um, conceding a try to a charge down and then uh, we push and push in the last sort of 10-15 minutes of the game but can't quite get over the line left ourselves a bit too much work to do after conceding one or two soft tries one from a, a kick transition as well which is an area that the rags usually pride themselves on in terms of chasing kicks hard and, and putting pressure on the opposition in defence but to let Merthyr get through on a counter-attack like that I think there'll be some uh, chats in training this week about that area of the game um, really good to see on the highlights. So Johan Evans standing out. He basically, well, almost single-handedly kept the RFC in the game at, at some points. By the looks of it, scores uh, two tries himself and sets up both of the other tries with a, a really nice offload for Sam Moore and then a little chip uh, kick over the top for Jacob Beatham to score. 
Um, his first try in particular is uh, a really lovely line in midfield on first phase and then a big no-nonsense fend on the full-back to go over before the second try is uh, a defensive interception which he runs in. He's uh, obviously a player who's uh, had a bit of an up-and-down career so far despite this still being early in his career. He was uh, played for Cardiff age-grade squads then got released uh, but kept his head down, worked hard, got into the Pontypridd first team, was selected by Wales under-20 for the under-26 nations last uh, June-July time. And then picked up an academy contract, which started over the summer. And it looks like he's kicking on nicely in the centres there. He can play 12 or 13. Uh, very defensively strong. Reads the game really well from 13. Very physical tackler at 12. Also has got a very good jackal uh, as an option to his game as well. And then what we're seeing as he plays uh, week in, week out now for the Rags is that his attacking game really developing in terms of uh, his decision-making on run-kick pass but also uh, the, the lines he's picking when he is carrying. He can be that bit more physical, direct, uh, crash ball carrying option, but he also has got the pace to beat somebody on the outside as well. So if he uh, if he keeps developing the way he's going, he could be a real sort of Swiss army knife as a centre for the first team going forward, sort of a little bit in the way that the Garen Smith has been over the last few years, where he can play 12 or 13 is, is decent enough in defence and attack. If he can take that up to the next level and, uh, and keep kicking on, then he could be a real option in what is an exciting crop of centres alongside guys like Max Huellin and Mason Grady, as well as uh, Louis Hennessy Booth and Harrison James coming as the next wave of academy players behind Joanne. So great to see him kicking on. And another player who uh, has maybe dropped out of the academy system or lost a contract at Cardiff, like Jamie Hill or like Liam Belcher, they've gone away, they've worked hard, come back, and now. You know, we got Hill, who was another releasee and then came back into the academy, has now got a, a number of first-team appearances. And, and Belcher, who went away to the Dragons, uh, had a season there and has now come back and is probably first or second choice when he's available and fit. So uh, it's good to see us keeping tabs on players as well who have been released and keeping working with them to ensure that they're not completely lost to the game and not lost to our pathway as well. So good stuff from uh, Griff and his team. Um this weekend, the Rags go away to RGC for the first time, uh, who obviously beat relatively comfortably in round one of the Premiership Cup, but they have improved a bit since then. They've pushed a few teams all the way, uh, including Pontypridd last week, who needed a, a last kick of the game from Ben Benel to beat uh, the North Walians. So be a tough one, especially with the internationals away from the first team. I see a couple of guys stepping up from the Rags, I think. Uh, to either be in the 23 or travelling reserve, so they could be a bit cut down with the injuries they've still got in the semi-professional squad, but hopefully they're able to go and get a result up in Colwyn Bay. Um, elsewhere in the pathway then, uh, the WIU College League reached its next phase this week, so uh, the first part of the competition was sort of uh, an in-region pool where the four teams from the Cardiff region, so Cardiff and Vale College, Colleg and Camoyth, Ascol Grant Have and Whitchurch High all played uh, each other in a round robin format. Uh, the top two, Cardiff and Vale and Camoy, they've gone through to the cup competition. Glentav are in the plate and Whitchurch are in the bowl. Uh, it's a good start to the cup competition for Cardiff and Vale and Camoy. both won their games. Glentav just lost, uh, I think it was 16 12 to Newport High, so a close one for them. And Whitchurch's game was postponed, presumably due to the heavy rain that we had uh, around the place on Wednesday afternoon. And then in Buck Super Rugby, um, the heavy rain didn't stop Cardiff Met at Kinkoid, despite, uh, I don't know if anybody watched the live stream that they got there from their game against Hartbury, but about three of their cameras showing it went down because of the rain. The 
commentators had to move inside to a shed behind the the post somewhere it was a bit all over the place but fair play to them for keeping the stream going and, and cardiff met won that one comfortably but unfortunately cardiff uni went down quite heavily away at loughborough talamiros has to check out the back door it goes to owen lane lane on the charge it's the lane train he's in, he's in the station great work by the blues it looks that it all come apart at the scenes out wide but Hallam Amos recovered and fed Owen Lane and he needs no second invitation. So the news from the Arms Park over the last week or so has been quite ho- uh, heavily dominated by retirements. Uh, the first one was announced last Friday, I think it was, when Hallam Amos uh, stated that he'd be retiring from professional rugby at the end of the season to concentrate on an upcoming medical career. So um i think it's fairly well known that amos has been studying at cardiff university school of medicine for the last seven or eight years now while he was at the dragons and then finishing it with uh with us he completed his exams over the summer and now is preparing to begin work as a junior doctor so i believe that you have to do a year um quite quickly after you've uh, graduated from university in order to then kick on and, and do a full-time medical career and Obviously, uh, Amos is, is only 27, so he's relatively young to step away from the game. But when you consider the fact that he made his debut for the Dragons at 17, you know, he's had a good 9, 10 years out of the game. I think he said it was his 11th season, this one. So that's more than a lot of people get, you know, if they're breaking through into first teams at 21, 22, and then retiring at, at 32, 33, 34, you would say they had a decent career. So when you think of it like that, you know, he has been around a long time, Um Clearly a very, very good player. He's a, a favourite down at the Dragons for the time he spent there in some tough years at Rodney Parade. Uh, has been uh, an excellent player for Cardiff. You know, he's come in and offered some real solidity in that full-back position, stepping on in on the wing as well when required. Uh, his, his up and under is, is continuing to become legendary in its own right. Um, and he's also had some excellent experiences with Wales as well. You know, not many players can say they've been to two World Cups, and he's got that in his back pocket now. And and good on him. You know, not many players will uh, uh, will be able to. Not many people, I should say, will be able to have a, a professional sporting career and then go straight into becoming a doctor. But you know, he's made a decision that is uh, benefits him, and he's stepping away before he suffers any serious injury with plenty of good experiences and uh, pretty much what is a full professional career in his. Uh, in his back pocket now so so good on him and, and wish him all the best for the future looking forward to seeing him play uh for the next uh, seven or eight months or so and it's actually quite handy for Cardiff in the short term obviously not great to lose uh, an international quality player in the long term but it means that he'll be available for all of our games this season now uh so when we go to South Africa in a few weeks when we have games during the Six Nations obviously he's not going to be involved in Wales squads as he prepares to retire so he'd be uh, fully available for us which is good thing on our part and then the other retiree um who was presented on the pitch at halftime against the sharks is is dan fish has decided to retire from the professional game so uh, obviously he has been doing a number of jobs over the last sort of 12 months or so where he's been an academy skills coach he's been cardiff rfc backs and attack coach he's been a cardiff rfc player but he's also remained uh, registered as a professional player to play for the first team if required and obviously did so in the rainbow cup last season um it must be tough for him to to maintain the sort of fitness and and being in shape as well as keeping a hand in with training with the first team alongside his other jobs so again totally understandable decision for him to step down and 
And with Fisher, you know, it's been a good 10 years. We've seen him in the first team now. He's he's a bit of a cult hero as a, a local lad done good. And, and whilst, you know, sometimes it does feel like on social media it's a little bit jokey where, you know, if there's a, a gap in a Wales squad, people say, right, call Dan Fisher up and that sort of thing. But, you know, he was a fantastic player. And I, th- I don't know if many people outside the Allens Park truly appreciate just how good a player Fisher was. He had that incredible turn of pace. Uh, before his serious injury in 2016 he was absolutely rapid uh, a really cultured left foot and what he developed after sort of three or four years sitting behind the half penny in in the fullback stakes at Cardiff was a really good game management and a rugby brain you know he he likely before him he had that ability to make the right decision whether it was running, passing, kicking, coming back on counter-attacks. He could step up into the line and, and whether he stepped up inside at a first receiver role or hit the line a bit wider, he could make an impact that way. Um, that 2015-16 season he had, you know, he was an excellent player through that um, where he played pretty much every game for the club and remember that sort of things like the tries he scores away at Harlequins and uh, he goes on. Um, if he was able to kick on in 16-17, then... I would suggest that he would have been in the running to go on the Wales tour in the summer of 2017 where went down to the Pacific Islands while the Lions tour was on. But unfortunately, uh, early in that season, he suffers that dreadful hamstring injury which almost ended his playing career there and then. Uh, he did well to come back from that at all, but obviously it, it has cost him that that really electric turn of pace that he had. And, and whilst he's still got the rugby brain and still got the left foot, he, he can still play at a very good level. He's not quite competing with the likes of Eddie Moss and, and Matthew Morgan anymore. So uh, with his, his coaching, obviously, he's taken over now. And by all accounts, he's a very, very good coach, having done work at his, his old club, St Albans, worked with Martin Fowler at Cardiff Vale College and Glamorgan Wanderers, and now stepping up into the academy stuff. Um, the To have him there passing on his knowledge to the, the next group of, of particularly backs coming through, but also being able to to put that into game situations with them as a Cardiff RSC player on a Saturday afternoon, you know, talking through the game with the likes of Ethan Lloyd and Johan Evans, as I mentioned before, um, Mason Grady when he's back fit, you know, Luke Scully in there as well, Jacob Beatham at fullback. Well, that's massive for those guys. So really good to have Fishy stay on board. Um, and I think in many respects, you know, he's he's been a great servant for the club so far. But in many respects, the next chapter of of his career as a uh, coach in the academy and with the rags and as a player with the rags will be even more important to the club than what he's offered uh, to date so congratulations to both of them on, on fantastic uh, professional careers to Hallam and to Fishy and uh, good luck for the remaining eight to nine months that Hallam has got and, and hopefully for the next many many years of coaching that Dan Fisher has got ahead of him at the Arms Park Beautiful break Jared Evans, he has support Lewis Hughes outside him he's not so invisible after all Lewis Hughes, a little bit of space. There, this straightens up, doesn't he? Shows the inside ball. The Dragons take the dummy. And great pace there. Finish the podcast this week then with a look ahead to Saturday's game against the Dragons, kicking off at the Arms Park, 5.15pm. Uh, if you are thinking of going, get your tickets quick because they are running out quite rapidly. Um, I want to start, though, with uh, something that might put people off buying a ticket. I don't know, but I think it's worth talking about, is the fact that, obviously, both teams will be without their Wales internationals. So it, it's 16 altogether, with 10 from us and 6 from the Dragons. Plus, we've got a couple of guys out injured who probably would have been in and around the squad as well. Um, Josh Navides and James Bothams, for example. Um, 
it's it's a sad reflection once again on the fact uh, that the WRU are incapable of raising funds uh, without having just to put another international game on. So obviously we're missing these players because of the fact that Wales are playing New Zealand uh, a week on Saturday and that the the rugby services agreement or whatever that's called now between the WRU and, and the four regions through the uh, PRB basically says that any Wales players selected who are in Wales get ac uh, are accessed by the national team for two weeks beforehand. And because of, well, they're still saying because of COVID bubbles, I think that's a little bit of a weak excuse now with all the testing going on and stuff. But they're saying that no players will be released this weekend back to their clubs. They'll all stay and prepare for the All Blacks game a week on Saturday. So, you know, the WRU have got to realise at some point, uh, I hope, that basically... International rugby is is at a peak now. It is it is at the, the most uh, revenue that it can get out of itself. It is there. They're playing more games than ever before, you know, 13, 14 test matches a year. Um, they're bundling TV deals together, going to Amazon to put stuff behind paywalls. And and at the end of the day, you know, that, that will plateau now. There will get a point where the, there will be no more revenue to come out of the international game. But the club game is where the real growth is. So if you cut down the internationals, have less of them, make them more uh, important when they come round, more meaningful, and then sort of grow that club game. You know, the ideal uh, structure I still think for Northern Hemisphere rugby is to have a British and Irish competition and a French and Italian competition and then come together to have a really good European competition. So you've got two strong leagues that, uh, you know, got big broadcast deals behind them and then a big European competition with its own big broadcast deal. And I don't like to always hark it back to football, but you know that's what works really well. You've got the the major domestic European leagues with their own big TV deals, and then the Champions League and the Europa League with their own big commercial deals, and that's the massive money driver. And that's where rugby should be going. You know, it can't look to put any more international rugby in the calendar. So why not the WRU be at the forefront of growing the club game, letting that create revenue for itself, so that the money doesn't have to come so much from the WRU paying for services and all this sort of thing, and, um, basically pumping money into the domestic game. It can then, you know, its revenue might drop, but it won't see so much going out to the professional game. So, you know, balances out then, and then it can focus entirely on building up the community game as the the professional game becomes self-sufficient by its own competitions, creating more revenue, and then the the associated commercial benefits of that for us. You know, we can attract more sponsors in, we get higher, more fans in uh, if the competition is better. And obviously, if our budgets go up as a result of that, then we'll be more competitive, which, again, drives more money into the club game. So, yeah, it's it seems it's easy to say on a podcast, I know, and, you know, it's it's difficult to put into practice. But the fact that we're not taking any steps towards that, that we're always just saying, right, WRU, we need more money. Another international game, let's lob one in, have an eighth autumn international at some point. You know, It's just lazy from them, and I think it sums up where they are as a business, being run by people who have no right to run 90 million pound businesses, geography teachers and accountants. It's a mess at the moment, but there's a little rant on that. We are where we are, so let's focus on the game this Saturday. Um, the Dragons come into, come into it on the back of a, a really disappointing game, to be honest. I made the schoolboy error of choosing the United Rugby Championship over the Gallagher Premiership last Friday night and had the absolute misfortune of watching Dragons versus Stormers at Rodney Parade, which was a really good physical battle for 20 minutes and then was 60 minutes of absolute turgid rubbish. 
I, I cannot describe to you how bad the last hour of the game was. It seemed to go on for days. There was mistakes everywhere. And, I mean, the last try that the Stormers score, where the Dragons are trying to cover a kick through, is, uh, is comical stuff. You put some Benny Hill music over it or something, and it would not look out of place at all. So the Dragons are they're getting better. You know, they're improving year on year. Dean Ryan's doing a good job there. The budgets are going up a bit. They've got a slightly better squad together. But it, it sort of twas ever thus for them, really, in that if you if your defence comes out and puts a lot of pressure on them, brings line speed, is organised, they will make mistakes in the back line. Your more defence will have to be good because they will be relatively strong up front. Um, but if you keep hold of the ball for long periods and move it quite quickly, then they're not the fittest team, they're not the quickest or most agile team, and we'll get good joy from that. It's always easier said than done in a derby is the issue and that we, we never really beat the Dragons as much as we should do because I think we end up getting quite tense about it, which isn't always a bad thing because you do want to be you know up for a derby and you want to be ready for the battle. But I think we need to slightly shift that balance a little bit at times away from, right, it's a battle going into war for a derby and, right, yeah, it's a battle going into war, but let's try and win it by playing our own game and, and playing to our strengths which are also happen to be the weaknesses of the opposition um as it happens this weekend the dragons six international players are all from their forward pack so that's where they'll be missing some people so we do have the opportunity to try and be a bit more dominant up front this time as well and, and for us we're missing 10 players but i think we can still put out a pretty strong match day 23 um a number of areas sort of pick themselves and then there's one or two question marks in others. So the front row, for example, Domachowski, My Hill and Arhip are there. Um, the second row then, Screech is, is available. So uh, I think with the loose forwards, you've basically got six players for five positions as far as I see it. Uh, you've got Matthew Screech, uh, Rory Thornton, James Ratty, Josh Turnbull, Will Boyd and Shane Lewis-Hughes. Um, Obviously, Ratty wasn't involved last week, so basically the question is where do you fit him in? If if you substitute Screech for Seb um, in the the loose five that played the majority of last week's game against the Sharks, do you do you fit Ratty straight back in instead of Turnbull at eight, for example, or you go with Ratty alongside Screech in the second row, maybe, um, or do you leave Ratty as the bench option and and stick with the loose five that did well against the Sharks the majority of the game last week? So that's a a decision. I I've no real strong desire either way uh, with with that sort of section i think all all five or uh, six of those players will do a good job so any of those selection is fine um in the backs then lloyd williams nine jared evans 10 great to have him back fit uh i would assume it would be max llewellyn and ray lilo as the center partnership although garen smith did play for the rags last week so he could slot in ahead of llewellyn perhaps um but i'd personally like to see llewellyn and lilo in there and then the back three um, so Alid Summerhill, I understand, is unavailable for this weekend due to being a COVID close contact. So Jason Harris will be on one wing, and then it's basically a question of do you go with Matthew Morgan at fullback and Hallam Amos on the wing, or do you go with Hallam Amos at fullback and then somebody uh, like Harry Millard on the wing, for example? Now I'd I'd quite like to see Millard get given a go. I think uh, firstly because I'd I'd like to see what he can do on the wing. I think that is his best position. But secondly, I think it would send a good message out that. Millard uh, played for the Rags for a few weeks. He's impressed down there. So if he then gets an opportunity in the derby, it sort of says to everyone in the squad, right, you know, if you do, and I don't like using this phrase, but in inverted commas, if you do drop down to the Rags, it's not a, a punishment. It's not just to get game time in your legs. You know, we will be watching. And if you play well, then you will get rewarded with a spot in the first team. So um, 
I, if if it is the case that Summer Hill's not available, I think I'd like to see a back three of, of Harris, Millard and uh, Hallam Amos at fullback. The weather's looking a little bit dodgy. And Matthew Morgan went all right last week, but I think his uh, Amos's solidity, um, particularly with Sam Davis's tactical kicking game for the Dragons, uh, with likely Roger Williams or Gonzalo Bertrand, who at scrum half, who were a decent box kickers as well. I think Amos would be the option there. And then uh, Brad Thayer's back from Glasgow. Uh, his loan at Glasgow on the bench as loose head cover. Um, you've got Chris Dacey there. Backup tight head will be one from Kieran Azarati, Scott Andrews and Will Davis-King. And I personally wouldn't mind seeing Davis-King get the nod there. I think he's looked good for the rags in the last few weeks. Uh, second row cover presumably Teddy Williams or maybe if one of Ratty, Screech or Thornton don't get selected, they slot in there. And then you could have Ollie Robinson or uh, Alan Lawrence as your back row cover then. Um, it'd be one of Ellis Bevan or Jamie Hill as scrum half option, which would be good to see one of them get some game time. Um, particularly Bevan, I, I do quite like the look of Bevan. I think that, that big physical style of nine will be quite good later in the game potentially if uh, if we need to get some points out of it. And then, unfortunately, it'd probably be Jason Tovey as a fly-half cover, but, you know, can't have everything in life. And then outside back, somebody like Matthew Morgan or Harry Millard if he doesn't make the, the start in 15, uh, unless they go with whichever one of, of Garen Smith and Max Llewellyn doesn't get in. So it's a decent squad for us. We've got good players there. It's more than good enough to win. And with the, the fixture block as it is, with those two losses against the Ospreys and the Bulls in the middle, we really need to win to ensure that this is a decent enough first block. You know, it's, n it's not going to be great now with the two losses, but if we finish it with a win, preferably a bonus point win, and come out with 15 out of 25 points, I think that'll be pretty good for us. Uh, so fingers crossed we get that result. If you're going up to North Wales with the Rags to watch RGC on the weekend, have a great trip. Uh, sounds like a really good run always when uh, supporters go up there. Otherwise, get down to the Arms Park Saturday evening, 5.15 to cheer the boys on. Come on, Cardiff!